0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Yes, we are back. What up? Getting the party started again right here on Let's Go There. I'm Shira. And I'm Ryan. Yes, and let me tell you, it is so hot here in L.A. to the point. I know I talked about this earlier this week. but I'm it's blaming you crazy. for this. You Why? manifested
2: this. No, it's called the weather. No, 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 no,
1: Climate change Shere manifested this. She was like, this. oh
2: my God, I just love how hot and beautiful it is. Why can't we work out on a terrace? <laughs> and now you're the revealing weather is, my
1: private text. Now, and now <laughs> the
2: weather is being a terrorist. <laughs> what private text you sent at the top of yesterday's show? I Thank said you. that
1: no, but I did say about on our text message, even though I don't care. I was just saying.
2: Girl, but the, I was saying way how way I wanted to already, work
1: on a terrace. The way That'd that be that amazing. have already
2: basically pitched Brian through our segment. How much you just don't want to be in here Kay. anymore?
1: Program director, we get to have our studio on a on a big balcony, looking out onto the water.
3: Yeah, you know, yeah. Um,
1: outside we get to you know travel and host the show wherever we want to host it. All I'm saying is you
2: manifested you know hot weather. So and I'm manifesting all of this. more
1: things too. And no, you
2: shouldn't. You should just keep your mouth. shut. <laughs> keep because, my manifesting at a minimum. Because it is a literally.
1: I am sweating in places that I forgot I had. <laughs> well, maybe you needed to remember.
2: <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm, no, it is never okay. Yeah,
1: it's wild. And of course, again, it's a crazy week here in LA with uh, Super Bowl. So, yeah, people will be wearing skimpy clothes as they party and go out. And I guess it's a good weekend for it to be hot. Bye. Yeah,
2: I mean, I, if you did come out of town for Super Bowl, then you are most definitely living your oh, life, yeah. which I'm excited for. Welcome to LA. But then also, get out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Get out. You're so welcoming. Yeah, I try to be. Well, lots know, to... I feel like
2: I, I would be a great hostess with the most is. Oh, you
1: are a hostess like, with the most You know? Is. As
2: soon as the clock oh, strikes, yeah. <laughs> 4.30, leave. Well,
1: you'd be the one that says set boundaries with all the guests. Oh, for sure. Right? Uh, well, appreciate you, as always, for that. Uh, but lots coming up on the show. You know, as we wrapped up the show yesterday, we discovered the cause of death uh, for comedian Bob Saget, and it puts a focus on head trauma. So we're going to be speaking to an ER physician to discuss when we should seek medical help when we hit our heads. Really so important scary. conversation. Yeah. Plus, another day, another new Trump investigation. This one's six to. A new low. The White House is also involved, and The Washington Post joins us for that in 10 minutes. Right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. Students at Huntington West Virginia Public High School are protesting after they were required to attend an evangelical Christian revival assembly hosted by the school's chapter of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. A well-known anti-LGBTQ organization, teachers required a group of students to attend this assembly with the preachers and told them to devote their lives to Jesus and the Bible or they would go to hell. Uh, And here's one of the seniors, Max Nybert, on the revival he was forced to attend.
4: The separation of church and state and religious freedom as a concept
5: are founding basic tenets of this country, you know, and the the, the kind of culture and lifestyle that we all live.
1: Over 100. 100-
5: to to oh. see that.
1: Sorry, continue.
5: Oh. Defamed and ignored in such a blatant way. It's it's disheartening.
2: That was just another example of uh, shared <laughs> every in like, every talk that we it ever had. It was a had. pregnant pause.
1: <laughs> over
2: 100. 100- sad story. <laughs> no. It was a pregnant
1: pause. That
2: was an entertainment value. <laughs> uh,
1: sorry, I thought the clip was over.
2: Uh, oh. <laughs> wow, you wanted to rush his beautiful story that he was telling. Wow, we are really on one today.
1: Over 100 of the students walked out of homeroom to protest. They chanted, my faith, my choice, and separate the church and state. And finally, this is actually really big news. Recent data from the UK Health Security Agency has revealed that heterosexual people in the country are now contracting HIV at higher rates than gay and bisexual men. In 2024, It's not shocking, by the way. Yeah. 49%. Because you don't like to
2: wear any exactly. condoms and just pass and stuff
1: around. That's
2: the thing. And y'all in our business talking about don't say gay.
1: I'm just saying... Hypocrisy. Experts say that the rise in cases among heterosexuals can in part be attributed to the fact that this group does not feel at risk for contracting HIV and so does not take the proper precautions. Get it together, heteros. Was that
2: like a man looking in the mirror type of thing? You know like
1: <laughs> it's like literally looking at the mirror
2: talking to yourself get it together yeah it's letterals. called motivation Why are you looking at me <laughs> no I was, using, I was using the reflection I was actually oh. looking at me you know and and everything and truly old fashion I find the
1: reflection always that was what's trending this hour what's happening in entertainment Newsman. well there's a
2: new update on former cheer star Jerry Harris it's time for the T report those pop culture stories trending right now can you actually play Disturbia? because this is disturbing. There we go. Former cheer star Jerry Harris pleaded guilty in Chicago on Thursday in a federal sex crimes uh, case, alleging he solicited sex from teen boys at cheerleading competitions. Trigger warning, by the way. Um, Jerry, who was 22, appeared in federal court to enter the plea Thursday afternoon. While sentencing guidelines call for up to 50 years in prison, it will be up to the judge to determine Harris's fate. At a hearing set for June 28th, the outlet reported um jerry harris has been held without bond at chicago's metropolitan correctional center ever since uh about september 2020 uh, 20, when he got arrested um federal prosecutors later filed additional charges alleging harris coerced uh minors into sending him explicit photos tried to per- uh, persuade a minor to engage in oral sex at cheerleading events and solicited another for sex now jerry has admitted in an interview with fbi agents to having five to ten victims according to a criminal complaint and if you watch the recent series um the second season of cheer yeah. they dedicated a whole entire episode it's titled jerry uh, oh, episode God. five and you really find out i mean details of everything that went on they bought um the two uh, boys the brothers and the mom and a sit-down interview and they told everything that went on and shed light and We also hear when uh, Jerry sent a letter to Monica, Coach Monica Aldman, Mm -hmm. I think that's her name. um, She uh, basically said that Jerry was very positive, actually said that he's going to end up being a motivational speaker one day, which feels a little tone deaf. Um, But that is your T-Report. we got more coming up next hour.
1: And that's your latest update. Pitch pitch your next chapter after you atone. Not like before (laughs) I mean, I, he I guess he's looking
2: out. forward, like he's like you know trying to put in the past. Yeah. I don't, and I, I don't see know what like he's trying last to do.
1: But there's also, yeah, there is a bit of that. It's
2: like I though. said, tone deaf. That is your T report. We got more coming up next hour.
1: Well, as we mentioned, there's another new Trump investigation. The White House are involved now, so we'll see what the Justice Department is seeking next with the Washington Post. The National Archives and Records Administration has asked the Justice Department to examine Donald Trump's handling of White House records. But why? Joining us right now is Matt Zapatoski, national security reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for being here.
5: Hey, thank you for having me.
1: So what did Trump do and why are they investigating this now?
5: <laughs> well, I should say that they're not so far formally investigating it. Records officials recovered from Mar-a-Lago um, last month 15 boxes of government documents. And government documents generally when a president leaves are supposed to stay with the government. Mm. So there's one issue sort of right away of did Trump you know, violate any records act. But law enforcement doesn't really look all that seriously at that. The more significant thing here potentially more significant thing here is that these archives officials who recovered the documents suspect that they might be classified. So, based on this suspicion, they asked the Justice Department, "Hey, can you come help us out? Can you look at this? If these are classified, they really have to do an investigation and trace, you know, who looked at them. Did anything spill out into the world? Again, we're not there yet, but that is what triggered, you know, this request of the Justice Department."
2: Yeah, and I guess is it normal for um, like presidents to I guess take these type of documents and bring them to their residency? It it happens.
5: You know, it definitely happens that when presidents are leaving, they take things, they take property that they might consider personal, but, uh, but others might not. They might take some papers that they would consider personal and others might not. That itself is not, you know, inherently unusual. This White House was a lot more chaotic from the sounds of things. They were sort of packing in a rush at the very end, in part because President Trump didn't want to admit that he lost. Um, it is sort of unusual usual to have potentially classified information in there, though uh, not totally, totally unheard of, maybe not for a president, but for, a you know, a government official who might have inadvertently taken something home. But nonetheless, something the Justice Department maybe would want to look at.
1: Yeah, and understanding what was the incentive around it, right? With- <laughs> Like, why would you just do this? Did you just forget that you just took a bunch of classified documents back with you, or did you? Was no, it like- it's like if you have keys to the castle, <laughs> you're probably going to get
2: the, the keys like remade and give them. If you're sketchy, back. yeah. Yeah, if you're sketchy, like an evil villain.
5: Well, no, and you're exactly right. Figuring out intent is kind of the key thing here. If there wasn't any sort of malicious intent, and there wasn't any gross negligence, then, then Trump probably didn't commit a crime. And that often it can happen in cases like this. Though it can also happen the other way, where there was some nefarious intent. You know, um, he took these out because he had some nefarious aims, or, or just that he knew they were classified and he wanted to hold on to it. Um, you know, we don't know the answers to those questions yet. We're reporting out the justice. Department, as far as we understand, is not yet launching a full investigation, but, but they, they might.
1: Do you think Republicans are just going to use this as a, a, another reason why Democrats like just can't let go of all this Trump stuff and they're going to continue wasting energy and time on this? I
5: think it's certainly possible. You know, there is a lot of pressure to investigate Trump, to have federal law but. In- investigate Trump for really everything under the sun. And I'm I'm sure some Republicans would react to this sort of thing the same way. Oh, this is no big deal. You know, a lot of presidents take papers out. The president can declassify whatever he wants. So Trump does, when he was president, had sort of special permissions with classified information. And that would make any investigation, particularly any prosecution, a lot harder of him. So I'm sure Republicans are going to make that case. Though on the flip side, I would say you have Democrats making the case. Case. Look, you ran in large measure on your opponent Hillary Clinton using a private email server and having really classified emails on that. So isn't what's good for her good for you? Now she's never got charged and I don't think a lot of folks would look back at the handling of that case by the FBI and Justice Department think it was really a model for how to do things in the future, but certainly Democrats are going to say, "Look, the FBI really looked at her pretty hard. Should they not now look at Trump for similar type conduct?"
1: Again, uh, we're talking to Matt Zabatowski from The Washington Post. Yeah. It's really fascinating.
2: I mean, all of this is really fascinating, but I I think this is really just going towards all the investigations that are happening where, you know, that's connected to January 6th, right? Where I think they're trying to look at every corner, every, you know, pocket to see if there was actually anything to lock something, you know, trump down on something. Because it does feel like, and I wonder, do you think this? It does feel like, Trump has become untouchable. Mm-hmm. In every way he's been able he's been able to do a, a lot of things, but it seems like they're really having a hard time kind of nailing him down on the yep. things they know he did, but we just don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there
5: are there are moral wrongs in the world and there are criminal or legal wrongs and criminal or legal wrongs require a very high burden of proof. And and you can understand why, right? At the end of a criminal or legal wrong, you lose your freedom as opposed to just losing an election or losing office. And I think a lot of Democrats want to pin on, on uh, former President Trump some legal wrong. They want him to be investigated for some legal wrong. And they see you know, very just causes to do so. I think Republicans feel like, gosh, you guys cannot beat this guy. Although you just did, <laughs> um, you guys have a lot of trouble beating this guy in a political arena. You try to impeach him, can't impeach him. Um, you know, in 2016, try to beat him in an election, can't do that. Now you want the Justice Department to do this political errand for you, and that's not what they should be about. You know, crimes are tough, and and in this instance, e- even if these records are classified, and I don't think we have confirmation of that yet. We have reporting that they, there was suspicion that they were classified. That's just like step one. You know, if they are, you know, classified, then you have to get into his intent, his powers yeah. as president. This, too, is going to be a tough case.
1: Yeah, there might not even be anything there. And then we're wasting our time again, or maybe we're not. But that was Matt Devotoski, national security reporter for The Washington Post. Thank you again. Thank you. Okay, what's coming up next, Ryan? All right. So we have
2: MSNBC reporter, um, our correspondent, Zach Stafford, joining us to talk about the Florida Governor Ron DeSantis Don't Say Gay Bill. We have to talk about how Mm -hmm. that's going to impact LGBTQ youth everywhere. Don't go anywhere.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
1: Well, someone has started something called Karen's Diner. Can you guess what it's about? Uh, This is actually not opening in the U.S. though, the U.K., where they like to make fun of Americans. And they want patrons to tap into their inner white lady. So customers can expect rude waiters with non-existent manners. In turn, the owners hope that disgruntled patrons will go, quote, full Karen, venting their anger and dismay at the world. Is this cute and funny or are you already over it?
2: I mean, I've been kinda over Karen the whole Karen stereotype thing mm-hmm. for a while now. Like I don't think anyone's really like talking about it anymore. Also it's kind of like a twenty twenty
1: thing. Yeah, it's so old school. I mean, there's still Karen's around. But I feel like dope. when you when you do something like this or you make uh what someone made VH one made a movie out of it, um and then they're making a, a restaurant VH1. out of it. Wasn't it VH One that had that movie about the Karen's?
2: I don't think it was a VH one original. Movie. I think it was just a movie.
1: Okay. Check uh, a Producer yeah, a Justin from, will check it.
2: The girl from um, uh, Orange is the New Black* was Taryn. Uh, whatever her name is.
1: M- Taryn Manning. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Twenty-one
3: so, dark comedy thriller film.
1: Where, yeah. Where was it? It, where, it was BET original oh, movie. Oh, BET. I knew it was Viacom somewhere mm, okay.
2: in there. No, you what?
1: <laughs> so <laughs> the thing is about this is when you make something like this and make it into like a performance and something funny, it's undermining. The real problematic nature of these types of things. Oh, tell me more. You know, that's my hot take. Okay. Okay. (laughs) My white hot take. (laughs) But uh, so it's like out of every type of restaurant, uh, I mean, I was make- I was just
2: joking. Don't tell me more because I already know.
1: <laughs> I, I here's the thing. Hey, I was just going the, with the UK flower. is like
2: the original Karens, right? Like the British monarchy is literally oh. the original Karens. So if you really that's think about true. it, honestly, they're taking uh, you know they're taking it and doing what they want to do with it. But it feels a little cringy to know that this is where it's happening. Uh, there's already one that's open in Australia with I guess plans for two more in the cities of. It reminds me of like there's a there's a restaurant in Miami I. Believe, Leave, uh-huh. um, where like you know you. It's like you have to be a like a. It's like I don't know what it's called, like the B word or something. Like
1: a B word. Yeah. Right. There's one in Chicago that you have to like. Part of that is that you they're have to mean actually to you. be mean. Well, no, Are they're, they're, mean, they're to you? mean to you. Picks oh. last
3: resort. They also have one in Vegas. I know that they have a bunch of.
1: Oh. Thing is, so we're making fun of Karens, but we're also going to monetize the Karens by uh, supporting an establishment that's going to open up restaurants around the world so i don't know how i feel about that
2: well here's the thing i mean the the uncomfortable thing is i mean these photos i mean ain't no black person going there like no one wants to go and be subjected to that
1: no one thinks it's funny except for white people exactly
2: which honestly i have a lot to say there but (laughs) i don't want you know our boss to get at me (laughs)
1: I'm also kind of tired of. I'm even tired of. of Then speak about it. Talk about how tired you are of my fellow white people. (laughs) Although I try to distance myself. I try to distance myself because I'm Canadian, as if that helps. Girl, what does that mean? I I don't know. You're still white.
2: Canada, that's what? You're just a a nicer white? (laughs) Pretty much. Pretty (laughs) much.
1: Okay, thanks for hanging out with us right here on Channel Q. More music coming up. or Right now we've got more show.
2: No, not <laughs> until we ask what this song is. Can so you, suggest- you want to know what the song is? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Don't- now that's a pregnant
6: <laughs>
3: pause, Shira. Was, that is a I pregnant pause. Waiting. So uh, this may be identifying to some people as uh, No Such Thing by John Mayer. The reason why oh. we're playing this is he was just at the Palladium last night, and he's writing a song for his late friend, the late, great Bob Saget, who oh. we'll be talking about next hour.
2: Wait, he's also, uh, he's going on tour with another artist that I want to see. Was that the tour? I hope I didn't miss the show. Maybe that was it. No, I don't think that was it. Last I think chance? he's actually going on like a major tour.
3: Yeah, he can sell bigger places than I mean, he sold uh, the Staples Center before. Yeah,
2: he's John like, Mayer. Yeah, he's like going on like uh, he's like going on a major tour, and he's the artist that I'm super excited that's opening up for him is uh, Yeba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's called the Sob Rock tour. It's uh, Sob Rock, yeah. Sob Rock, whatever. I that saw
1: means. John Mayer at the New Orleans Jazz Festival. Well, let's. <laughs> keep- <laughs> That was a good show. FYI. <laughs> so, coming up, a shocking new report. Uh, She's familiar with those yeah. sounds. Just give me give me another bed, please. <laughs> a shocking new report shows uh this is actually serious. Homelessness, housing instability it is linked to increased suicide risk among LGBTQ youth. The Trevor Project joins us for that in 10 minutes. Plus, what's going on with Wendy Williams' death? Well, we've got some updates in the T report.
2: Wendy Williams did not, not death, die. Not health.
1: Oh, my God. What? Health. I meant health. For some reason, Wendy I don't know Wendy Williams it. has not died. Yeah, just be clear. She's, it's her she's health. She's
2: doing... We'll talk about it more. <laughs> I,
1: I think that was like a... But, oh, my God. I'm that that so sorry. was not a sign. That was a slip, I said. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Apologies. Yeah, that is not the case. Oh my her God. health. <laughs> oh <my> OMG. OMG. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on quickly. Uh, Let's get into so much (laughs) training this hour. In a bipartisan vote today, the U.S. House of Representatives approved a bill that enhances the U.S.'s commitment to protecting LGBTQ rights around the world. Introduced by out gay representative David Cicilline, co-chair of the LGBTQ Equality Caucus, the Global Respect Act would prohibit those who have committed LGBTQ human rights abuses abroad from obtaining a visa to enter the U.S. This is really huge, actually, because if if these individuals international, uh, well, these countries are not going to do anything about their human rights violations. Someone needs to do something. I don't know where the U.N. is on this. We keep saying that this is wrong and we're trying to fight this with advocates, even on the grounds. But this is a big deal for the U.S. to do something like this. So uh, kudos to them. We'll be getting more into the implications of this bill also later on this week. Plus, uh, a Texas Republican was recorded complaining that kids aren't allowed to laugh at transgender classmates anymore, something she wishes they could do because she's not comfortable with transgender individuals. Here's Shelley Luther.
6: I am not comfortable
1: with the transgenders, um, the kids that they brought in my classroom um, when they said that this kid is transgendering into a different sex, that I couldn't have kids laugh at them. Like, I couldn't
3: have, um, like, other kids got in trouble for having transgender kids in my class.
1: That's why I vote for school choice, and my opponent is completely against school choice. Thank you.
2: You know, us uh, <sighs> uh, cis folks, and especially the cis het folks, really should be afraid that they're going to be the minority, and that we're going to be actually making fun
1: Watch of you. Watch out.
2: All. I can't wait.
1: Mm-hmm. I can't wait for the
2: tables to turn. Right. I'm going to laugh at
1: you. Ha! -ha. You already do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shelley Luther is a former Spanish teacher, salon owner who's running for a Texas House seat. She was speaking at a candidate forum hosted by the Fannin County Republican Party when she started talking about how much she disliked transgender students she taught. Just really horrible. Uh, and that was what's trending this hour. By the way, stick around for more news updates uh, from Apple about their AirTag tracking devices. That's been very controversial. We we'll bring you that next hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Well, let's talk about Wendy Williams. Yes. Not dying. Not yes. Apologies again. <laughs> I am so sorry. Thankfully, that wasn't a tweet. <laughs> All right.
2: And shout it out. Okay, so Wendy Williams Bank is getting involved in all of this crazy stuff that's going on. Basically, uh, her bank is calling for her to be under a guardianship. It's time for the T report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Wells Fargo sent a letter to the New York County uh, Supreme Court judge uh, requesting a hearing to determine whether Williams, who has not hosted her daytime talk show since July 2021, needs a professional to intervene in her affairs. They said this, we are concerned about Williams' situation. Um, and basically, they said it is our hope that the guardianship part of the court will em- uh, imminently appoint a temporary guardian or evaluator to review the situation. And ensure that Williams affairs are being properly handled. <laughs> Williams attorneys filed an emergency petition last Friday claiming that Wells Fargo had, quote, for more than two weeks, denied her access to her financial accounts, assets and statements after her former financial advisor, Lori Schiller. Alleged that the TV host was of unsound mind. Um, Basically, the attorney on behalf of the bank uh, wrote in a separate letter sent to the judge Wednesday that the bank has strong reason to believe Williams is the victim of undue influence in financial exploitation. He requested to keep this case um, under seal to preserve the confidential nature. I mean, it sounds like a ton of mess happening. I don't know if her financial advisor is abusing power. I I've just never heard of a bank actually call for this. I, I wouldn't I, I guess that's yeah. pretty like I guess that's normal. I don't know. I've just never i would never realized that and then obviously we know like guardian guardianships, conservatorships have all been coming to the light since Brittany and everything. Um, But this is wild to hear that the bank is getting involved, and they are really trying to put a stop on people, you know, just using her funds without Wendy's notice. But who knows? Well, I guess we really won't know what's happening. It's
1: really unfortunate to hear this all go down. Um, You know, she had so much still ahead. I feel like she's done so much uh, for the broadcasting industry, and she's really talented. It's really sad to see this whole downfall in a way or unraveling of her and her health.
2: Yeah, it really is. Um, But we are sending so much love and really hope that she's able to come back and do one last show just to say goodbye. That is your T-Report. We have more coming up next hour.
1: After this, The Trevor Project joins us to talk about this new report about homelessness and housing instability among LGBTQ youth. That's next. Well, we love the Trevor Project over here. Yes. Yeah, it's the world's largest suicide prevention and crisis intervention organization for LGBTQ youth. And they published a new report that examines the experiences of nearly 10,000 LGBTQ youth across the U.S. who've experienced homelessness or unstable housing. And what did they discover? Well, Jonah Deschamps joins us right now, research scientist at the Trevor Project. Thanks for being here.
4: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, thanks so much for covering this.
1: Can you talk
2: about okay. uh, just the the basis of wanting to do this this research and the importance of it?
4: We're excited about this report um, because it really highlights the connection between housing instability and homelessness and mental health challenges among LGBTQ youth. Uh, a lot of folks, especially folks who are members of the community, are aware that that LGBTQ youth are at elevated risk of homelessness compared to their straight and cisgender peers. Um, But this report really adds this perspective of, you know, how does that impact their mental health? And so we do see, unfortunately, that for, for young people who have either experienced homelessness in the past or are currently homeless at the time that they took our survey, they do report really um, much higher rates of mental health challenges like recent depression, uh, anxiety, self-harm, and both considering and attempting suicide. So for me, what that really highlights is the need to make sure that, that folks who are struggling with having disability still have access to high quality and LGBTQ culturally competent mm-hmm. mental health services.
1: Yeah, definitely. Are, are these stats different than previous studies? Are you seeing... Um, an increase or a decrease?
4: That's a really good question. Unfortunately, I can't provide like a really solid answer. I can say that, especially when we look at just sort of the general rate of young people in our sample who told us that they had experienced homelessness either currently or in the past, that number, um, let's see, our number was 28%. And that is right in line with other research, which tends to estimate about 20 to 40% um, of LGBTQ youth, excuse me, let me phrase that. 20 to 40% of young people who are experiencing homelessness identify as LGBTQ. So to show that over a quarter of LGBTQ youth overall have experienced homelessness also sort of aligns with that statistic.
2: Yeah. So we're speaking with Jonah DeChance, uh, the research scientist at the Trevor project and who is actually a, uh I mean, spearheaded and, and was a part of this study. I guess for me, when we're looking at this these stories, and I mean, we're living in a world right now where there are so many attacks uh, that are really impacting the queer and trans community. I often feel like, Hearing these stories, and this is just a personal thing, hearing these like research, yes, it's very sad, but what are the tangible things we're doing in our, in organizations like the Trevor Project doing to make sure this research doesn't just continue to be what it is and we're actually making, you know, tangible movement to have better commitments to the queer, you know, youth that this is facing?
4: Yeah, that's a really great question. Thank you so much for asking that. We do have a lot of sort of sad and depressing statistics about mental health for LGBTQ youth. We also have a lot of research that highlights and shows really scientifically that, that allyship matters. You know? and so when we see um, we see that for young people who feel like their identity is affirmed, uh, they report uh, lower rates of, of suicide risk. Um, for folks who use their name and their pronouns correctly, those are all small, concrete things that we can do um, to support folks in our life that really do have a positive impact on their mental health. More broadly, when thinking about homelessness and housing instability, you know, like, luckily, this, unlike other societal problems, like, you know, curing cancer or colonizing Mars, uh, homelessness has a pretty simple and evidence-based solution, and that is providing housing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if we can mobilize both inside the LGBT community and beyond to provide more funding, more support for housing programs for young people and specifically for young people who are LGBTQ, then we can really tackle this problem and get folks into more stable housing situations.
1: Definitely. When Trevor Project comes out with a report like this, are you having like local politicians or those at the federal level coming and saying, "Okay, yeah, how can we help change the statistic?
4: We are trying to share this work with politicians. We, we luckily at the Trevor Project have a really amazing advocacy team that has been on the front lines. Like you mentioned, this, these recent attacks on the community, they have been out there fighting. Um, and so we are trying to make sure that we share both this report and all of our other research with decision makers who are making some of these calls. About, you know, how do we allocate? budgeting for funding for housing you know should we be looking at you know some of these anti-trans bills we want to make sure that all of those lawmakers are making evidence-based decisions and that they have access to understand exactly how how detrimental some of these anti-trans and anti-lgbtq legislative attacks can be on youth and then you know the flip side what can what can policymakers and decision makers do to really support lgbtq
2: youth and yeah and i know this is such a, a you know important like moment for you all but is there anything else that you are you know are considering a priority when you're looking as far as research for your next big study that you're looking into
4: yeah so let's see actually in this coming spring we're going to be releasing our next uh, national survey or releasing our 2022 national survey for LGBTQ youth mental health mm-hmm. um, and that is a large survey that lots and lots of different topics um, and so we'll be sharing just sort of general stats from that um, we are also getting ready to release a report on Asian American and Pacific Islander LGBTQ mm-hmm. youth um, so those are a couple of the projects that we have on the pipeline um, but we're always trying to use this data to try and illuminate either you know subsections of the community um, or different experiences or challenges like homelessness that members of our community
1: face. Definitely. Well, thank you again for joining us today for this. Really important. That was Jonah DeChance, research scientist at the Trevor Project. Have a great rest of your day.
4: Thanks so much. Have a good one.
1: Okay, what's coming up next,
2: Ryan? Okay, so honestly, we have more show coming up next. I'll, you know, (laughs) we'll
1: talk about it. Actually, I get personal. As I say, yeah, it's a very I'll say, yeah, I get actually very personal about the stigma of showing your body on camera, but then also specifically in 2022. And it's relating back to an actress from Euphoria who talked about this. That's next.
5: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward.
1: You know, your favorite game, Wordle, who knew it could save a person's life? This happened to one 80-year-old woman. I thought you said, you know, your favorite
2: game, Wordle.
1: Wordle. I was like, what in the Harry Potter are we talking wordle. about right now? Wordle. Wordle, that daily game. Can you explain it just quickly for those who might not know? Because you it- like it. You play
2: it. it is literally a daily word game mm-hmm. where you have to guess a five letter word, and it gives you uh, little hints and clues. If you get right the right letters, and you know if you get the right letters in the word, and the right letters in the right place, all that stuff. So, you get six chances
1: to do it. So what happened is this woman would play it with her granddaughter, right? And suddenly one day, she didn't show up to play Wordle. And the family got very worried. Well, they had a reason to be worried because the elderly Illinois woman uh, was with an armed and bloodied naked home invader who basically just uh, broke into her house, held her at knife point for 17 hours, 17
2: hours.
1: This is actually really creepy. She lives alone. She was lying in bed when a stranger broke in through a window, climbed into bed with her armed with scissors and covered in blood from crawling through the broken glass. And then forced her to take a shower and then a bath with him. The whole thing is a bit of messed up. Anyway, uh, so it's like because of this routine and showing up every day with the community and she didn't show up, they got worried, which I think is really important. And we've talked about this with you, how you've said if you don't hear from you after a certain amount of time, you know, go check up on you or call the police because you do live alone.
2: Yeah, don't call the
1: police. No, I'm black.
2: <laughs> I'm they. I might. <laughs> Please, that's the last thing I want you to
1: do. <laughs> <laughs> no taken. So they
2: show up. I might be, you know. Um, but yes, I, I most definitely because I that was my fear about moving in to own and living by myself. This is my first time ever living by myself, and I was like, well. I know my dog's not going to do anything. It's not like she's going to pick up the phone. And so I need people to check up on me. And I was just sitting here thinking about in this moment, I don't have that for you. Like, I don't know if, like, if you don't show up or something, like. Well, you, I would so just here's be like, the thing. This, that's just a regular Shira day. <laughs> <laughs> like. She somehow got distracted. Yeah, I not like from her 36 hours. Not just
1: not showing up. And late. I mean, both. No. Both. I feel so. This is why you should share You should share your iPhone location, uh, location with people. No, because I don't want you knowing everywhere I'm going. I mean, at a certain point, you got to trust and say, God forbid something happen. No. I'd rather you know to help and save me yeah. versus to have Privacy? But privacy? Then- Yes, privacy is a very important
2: thing. Um, But this does make me think, like, how do you... uh, You got to come up with, like, a plan of action with your... With your the close people around you. And I think I've already given you my... Like, I want, you know, this to happen. Um, But you just never know. Also, I had a neighbor who... I just found out he was out of town forever, but I had noticed, I was like, oh my God, he hasn't picked up his package outside of his door in like over a month, I wonder if he's okay. Is this that car neighbor? Was, yeah, his car was oh, still yeah. there and I was just worried and I was like, okay, this is weird, but I was really worried because there's an incident, I don't know if I told that story on the it. air, but there was an incident where I was like, really like kind of having to help the neighbor, yes. and so when I hadn't seen him in a- forever, Uh huh. I would literally go up to his door and, like, try to listen to see if there was any movement just to see if he was in there, like, be okay. What about a knock? I was too nervous to knock.
1: So you wanted to check up on him, but you didn't even knock. Yeah, I did it the
2: U way, like the like just stalking him. I thought that was more of a <laughs> a smarter call instead of just knocking. Well, but then I found out he was actually out of town, okay. like he was literally out of the country for a month. And I was like, oh cool. And I I didn't tell him. I didn't want to tell him. I was like, is it, stalking him.
1: Isn't that interesting? How we create stories about all these things. I was nervous. I thought he yeah. was like in there,
2: and I because I even told Shar. I was like, oh my gosh, Shar, he might be dead in there. And she was like, you probably smell him by now. And I was like, yeah, that's actually true. Oh I my probably god. Would probably
1: smell him you know, I create stories like that if I don't hear from someone for a while or my mom calls me like three times in a row. I told like stuff you like that, that I was sick
2: today and you just said, feel better. Well,
1: yeah, that's what people do. That's when all she feels did. Sick. She
2: didn't do anything else. Well,
1: what else. What else was I supposed to do? You didn't do anything else. <laughs> she was just
2: like, feel better. So if I die, she's just going to text me, feel better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, so is there something here that we need to know, producer Justin? Of course,
3: this is the theme from Futurama.
2: It's really loud. It is so <laughs> loud. I'm like, what? I can't there hear we you. There you go. When you dealing with the elderly, Justin? Well, we're talking about Sheer. <laughs> the reason why we're playing the. It, theme it from, sounds
1: very clunky.
2: Well, it's
3: it's the theme from Futurama, taking place in the year uh, the twenty first, thirty first century. Yeah. And it just got renewed by Hulu, so the seven season comedy that was uh, first brought to light in 1999 by Matt Groening oh. from The Simpsons is now coming back. Wow, so smart. Oh, I don't smart. know anything about this show. Really?
1: Yeah, I've heard of it, but I don't watch it.
2: I don't know anything about
1: it. Is it like um, Steven well,
3: Universe? It's the same kind of you know feeling. It's the same so type of animation no, as The Simpsons, it's, it's but not.
2: different.
1: A, a okay. lot of robot creatures and future people. Yeah,
3: really? <laughs> an alien named Zoidberg.
2: Oh well, yeah. thank you for that nice little fix.
3: Fat.
1: Thanks for the tidbit of the day.
3: The geeks are rallying. It's it's fine. I like it. Yes. It's
1: cute. I love. It. This is actually my favorite part of the show.
2: Really, there's so what many my parts favorites? of the show. <laughs> And that's the one you're choosing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we have more show coming up, if you didn't notice. Bob Sackett's cause of death has been revealed. This is just so unfortunate. Should we be more concerned about head trauma? And when should you get checked out? An ER physician joins us for that in 10 minutes. Plus how the Oscars COVID-19 protocols could impact Hollywood's biggest night. That's in the T T-Report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's turning this hour, though. Last week, the Mississippi House of Representatives passed a bill banning incarcerated trans people from submitting a name change request or legally changing their gender marker it's called a uh, real you act HB 1099, real you act, originally sought to ban minors from changing their gender markers as well, but ultimately was limited to those who are incarcerated. Very unfortunate there. Uh, Meanwhile, in Australia, a member of parliament spoke out against an anti-LGBTQ religious discrimination bill. So I guess it's not just happening in the States here. By revealing that his gay 15-year-old nephew had recently died by suicide.
5: The national story must have a place for all of us and all of our kids how we imagine them, but more importantly, how they are. If a young kid has the courage to be themselves and own their identity, the very least that we can do, the very least, is say welcome, we love you, and we respect you, and you're okay just the way you are.
1: That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? While well, the Oscars COVID-19 protocols are making a lot of people upset. It's
2: time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So, the Academy Awards are just over a month away. And while the night is sure to be unforgettable with surprises and snubs, one thing will not be in the cards. COVID-19 vaccinations. Hollywood's biggest night won't require proof of vaccination for anyone attending the event, according to a report. Nominees, presenters, and stars will gather on March 27th at the Los Angeles Dolby Theater to celebrate the the best and brightest in film. Um, The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, according to The Hollywood Reporter, will ask attendees to just only show a negative PCR test or a negative rapid antigen test on the day of the ceremony. That is wild. And honestly, it just reveals to me that... Hollywood's biggest stars are not vaccinated in the ways that we probably think they are. Mm, because yeah, the Academy wants them there. Uh-huh. And this was the only way that they could get around it. And um, if you're wondering about all the other award shows, the year SAG Awards and Critics' Choice Awards ceremonies on the other hand will both require full vaccination statuses. So I will most definitely be watching that because I want to see who's not in the audience. Um, <laughs> make a
1: comparison.
2: Yeah, no, seriously. Because the Academy mandates that, and here's the kicker here. The Academy mandates that its own employees must be vaccinated. And the Oscar ceremony will comply with the L.A. County's Health Department mandates, which order that people attending indoor or outdoor mega events must be either vaccinated or show a negative test result. So they're only going with the negative test results. But the employees have to be vaccinated. But the stars Mm. don't. Yeah. Famous privilege. Yeah. It's a little messy. And um, honestly, I'm very excited that they're doing it this way because I want to see who's all anti-vaxxer.
1: <laughs> it's a good way, silver lining, looking at it that way. Well, yeah, I think it's going to reveal a lot. You know, that's your T-Report. Don't go anywhere. Okay. Well, coming up, the cause of death, as I mentioned, has been revealed for Bob Saget. Should we be more concerned about head trauma and when should you get it checked out? That's next. Bob Saget's cause of death was the result of blunt head trauma. Uh, likely to have been caused by falling alone in his Orlando hotel room. So unfortunate. Um, So we're finding this out right now. So what does that mean, right? Because I feel like we all have moments where we could hit our head. And we're like, oh, it's nothing, right? You go to bed. Well, he did that, and he never woke up. Dr. Elena Rajagopal joins us right now, emergency medicine physician and host of the Emergency Docs podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So is this something that happens a lot? I mean, or is this pretty rare?
6: In his age group, uh, it can be more rare. um, But seeing head bleeds or traumatic injuries to the head, bleeding in the brain is something we see pretty commonly in the emergency department. I'd say I personally see it most often in elderly patients who are on blood thinners and trip and fall. Um, But most of the time, even if there's bleeding, it doesn't kill you. But, I mean, obviously, in some cases it can, especially if it goes untreated.
2: Yeah, because when you're talking about just a bump on the head, how severe does the bump have to be? Because I I mean, when I was younger, I remember I had a a situation where I got hit in the head with a basketball and I felt like I had a a small little concussion and I did the whole MRI situation. My mom was Mm -hmm. very intense about, you know, making sure you get checked out because your head is very... Important, right? But when it comes yeah. to just a casual bump on the head, it feels like it had to be more than that for it to cause the result that it caused.
6: Yeah, so this is kind of tough to answer because there's no standard where I can say if you hit your head with like medium to hard force, you'll get a brain bleed. So it depends on a lot of different factors like age, medications that somebody's on, their mm. underlying medical conditions. So there isn't really a one size fits all answer. Yeah. Um, but in general, you have to hit your head fairly hard to cause serious bleeding in the brain.
3: Oh,
1: wow. Yeah, and can you explain what happened with him? That if he just bumped his head, it would just co- it cause internal brain bleeding?
6: So, I mean, I'm not involved with this case. Yeah. I haven't read the autopsy report, so I can't say with any amount of certainty what happened. But if I had to guess, I guess that he maybe slipped in the shower or on the wet bathroom floor and maybe hit his head on the counter or the towel rack or something on the way down. Oh my God, it's like a uh, big fear. Loss of consciousness, was unconscious, and then kind of woke up and then moved to the bed and fell asleep and unfortunately never woke up. But I have... again, that's a guess.
2: No, I have fallen so many times in the shower like that is like my biggest fear ever, like to, for that mm-hmm. to happen. You're just not realizing it. Yeah. But I think yeah. the bigger conversation around this is how can people, you know, trust their instincts about their body more, right? Like listening to their body when they feel something's off and know that, hey, I need to actually check this out and not just like say, oh, no big deal.
6: Yeah, that is a great question. And so I guess first and foremost, I'd say if you're worried about a head injury that you've had, you should absolutely see a doctor. That said, if you bump your head on like the kitchen cabinet while you're standing up and you're young and healthy, it's probably not something you need to worry about. But the harder you hit your head, the more likely you are to have a concussion or a more serious injury to the brain like bleeding. Um, so there are a lot of risk factors and symptoms you can actually watch out for um for some of these more severe injuries. Um so I can go into some of those if we have time for that. Yeah, yeah, please do. I would love to hear. Sure. So one would be a loss of consciousness. So you pass out, you black out, whatever word you use, if somebody hits their head and then is not conscious for a period of time, you should probably get them to the ER. Um if somebody's on any kind of blood thinning medication probably best to go and get checked out. Uh, If there's any change in that person's mental status, meaning Mm. they're acting kind of weird, they seem a little confused, Mm. they're disoriented, um, maybe don't know their name or their birthday or today's date, that's a concerning sign and would probably warrant a trip to the ER. Um, If someone had an unwitnessed fall, meaning they fell, they're not really sure how long ago, they don't know if they passed out, they don't know if they had a seizure, um, that's a good indication to get checked out Uh, if a person had a seizure after they hit their head that's another indication to go to the emergency department Um, if a person doesn't remember the fall can't really recall what happened that can be concerning Um, when someone's elderly or kind of over age 65 they're more prone to serious injuries so that's kind of a risk factor to think about Um, If there's any visible signs of trauma like bleeding or possible fractures or broken bones, that's another reason to go to the ER for sure. Uh, If a person has at least two episodes of vomiting after a head injury, that is a concerning sign. You can have that with just a concussion, but, um, you know, best to get checked out. Um, another risk is kind of thinking about the mechanism, the mechanism of injury, so what happened. Uh, so if somebody's like hit by a car or is ejected from a car or has a bicycle accident without wearing a helmet or has a fall from greater than three feet or falls down more than five stairs, mm-hmm. these are concerning risks. Um, So those are some of the the major warning signs. I hope everyone
1: had their notepad out because that was some good notes. Go back to our podcast. uh, It will be up there. What about like also a headache? Like what if you just have, I've bumped my head before. Specifically, this always happens to me when I'm getting out of a plane or like sitting down. I'll bump my head at the top of that thing. How often? Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe once, like, um, every two times I'm flying, I bump my head for some reason when I'm so it, up.
2: Are you the problem? <laughs>
1: maybe. Yeah, I'm just too tall. What I can say. I'm like model height. No. Uh, uh well, yeah. So what is your take on that? Like, uh, if you have a headache, is that concerning?
6: So having a headache, I mean, you can get a headache just from bumping your head and not having a concussion. It could be mm-hmm. a sign of a concussion. Um, so, Having a headache alone isn't necessarily a risk factor for severe injury. But again, you know, if you're having a headache, if you have any other concerning symptoms, you should probably get checked out. But if it's something where you feel okay, you're not confused, you didn't pass out, um, it's less likely to be something severe.
1: Okay. Uh, Well, that was Dr. Elena Rajagopal, emergency medicine physician, host of the Emergency Docs podcast. Thank you so much. This was very helpful.
6: Thank you for having me. I'm
1: going to tune into your podcast. It's like Mm -hmm. watching a, a Grey's Anatomy episode. Yeah, he's obsessed. I am. I love doctor stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, what's coming up next, Ryan?
2: Well, one school is using pizza to teach students about sexual consent. Ooh, pepperonis were just always so sexy. Mamma mia! (laughs) (laughs) Students at a Connecticut middle school were reportedly instructed to use pizza as a metaphor for sex and asked to cite their favorite toppings, including cheese for kissing and olives for giving oral. Which honestly, olives are giving the opposite of giving oral. Like, olives are the worst and. Well, they have holes in them. What does that have to do with (laughs) giving oral? Uh, anyway, the eighth uh, graders at John F. Kennedy Middle School um, received the pizza and consent assignment, which compared ordering a pizza to receiving consent. Yeah, we can use pizza as a metaphor for sex. The assignment said, "When you order pizza with your friends, everyone checks in about each other's preferences, right? Some people yeah, might be vegan, I, um, some might your be friends are, free.
1: are annoying in me and you, but continue, yeah." The like d, you, the right d bags out there. <laughs>
2: Some might be gluten-free. Others might love pineapple while others prefer pepperoni. If no. you prefer pineapple, then you are a terrorist. Uh, some might like pizza at all. If you're a vegetarian, your friend is a meat lover. Sharing a pizza is going to bring up a lot of issues. You don't know who can share pizza with unless you ask. <laughs> what do I think about this? This is very um, uh, interesting is a word to uh, use. So here's
1: the thing. I actually think it's very creative. It makes sense, right? It actually like gives people an understanding of what it is to ask someone what they want um, the thing is it was what was it for elementary school or junior junior, or junior, junior high, high. okay because I would say like you know, talking about oral, maybe that may be like, that's what you ruffle need some to talk feathers. about. It. <laughs> yeah. You need but, to talk about sex at that so age. So here's the thing. We do need to talk about sex at consent. Age. We do need to talk about it, pushing it off or putting it to the side to act like, Oh, by talking about it, they're going to end up doing it more is ridiculous. They're going to end up doing it. And then they're going to do the wrong things. and People are going to get hurt. Right. So let's create a responsible next generation who considers each other when it comes to intimacy.
2: Well, if I'm being honest, I don't know Of I mean, based off of something that is as stupid as this, I don't know if teachers and educational places are should be responsible for educating kids about how to have sex. It seems like kids can either find out more um, uh, based off of like their favorite TV show that they're watching because I feel like the writing in that is telling you more about consent and the layers when it comes to it because Gen Zers are. I mean, on another level, when it comes to just being politically minded, accepting and also knowing of what the hell is going on, regardless of if they live in a place where they would be able to teach them or not. For me, pepperonis and cheese is not going to teach you how to do consent. I get what they're saying, but I feel like it's a little like, I don't know, Speedy the Sperm, where you take a pillowcase and you just name it and say, this is what it does. That's not really as helpful, in my opinion.
1: Oh, Yeah, I'm trying to even think. Like, this is what it does. What you like throw it across the room and then it lands somewhere. (laughs) But I actually.
2: Honestly, when they did Speedy the Sperm for me, I still didn't understand
1: what. what Oh my God. They did not do that. I definitely had the banana thing. I barely even remember sex ed class. As I've said, it was called moral social development in Canada. Ours was team living. Okay. That makes sense. But I. Listen. They need to find creative ways to talk about this. I would say be more direct about it. But sometimes, unfortunately, kids at that at that point don't have the emotional intelligence to get it. You n- literally I need to create comparisons true. to things that they like.
2: I don't think that's true. Uh, I, I feel like because of the in, the intense connection to technology and everything that we have, they're learning so much on TikTok already.
1: Uh, so here's the thing. I would agree like, with you. Say wait, that wait a, they a second. an m- Emotional. Res- I, like. I would agree with you Must- be- because I, t- you know, I hang out with lots of young TikTokers. Not hang out, but I'm in a business. Did you where- submit that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is weird.
1: I I've been around because of the business I'm in, and I've been covering social media and digital culture for a while. And you would think, because you go to someone's page, you're like, wow, really? Like th- this person has pretty mature content. This that, like, not sexual content, but pretty mature. You would think that they are like that. And then you talk to them, you're like. Oh no, they are really young. But like they're I an mean,
2: endorsement you- for you. I've met some of the people you know. Mm. What, the
1: teens? Yeah. And like I just creators. think we overestimate I, the emotional intelligence of a lot of these kids. I think they're aware. There's a difference between being aware and actually understanding yeah, how to act on it that. and integrate that into your behavior. I agree with that.
2: I, I, here's the thing. I don't think kids know everything. I'm not saying that. I don't think they are learning everything. But I, I do think in the conversations where we're talking about the don't say gay bill or we're talking about just critical race theory, like children already know what's really going on, especially because there's, they're, they have the use of the Internet in ways where they can also determine what's good information, what's bad information. And I, I feel like it's not like us when we were growing up.
1: Producer Justin, you're the parent in the room here. Yes. What do you think?
3: Well, as the parent, it's like, I, w- I want my kids to learn about consent as early as possible because... Yes. Just because... It's not just about Yeah, and it's not just about consent, you know, you know, having that consensual experience with them, you know, going to another person. It's someone potentially (sighs) approaching them. Oh yeah, that's true. And learning that no means no. And Mm, as as, as soon as we can get, get get Teach them whether it be by through pizza, whether it be through the direct method, whether it be through any other method. I think that's a good thing to teach. And I, frankly, I think seventh grade is a little bit late. Mm, I, I think yeah, the earliest I agree. Can, the earlier that you can teach it, the better. You know, stigma be damned. It's it's more about keeping kids safe. Yeah, and that's what it's
2: about. Hey, you're going. It to should be in the fifth puberty. grade. I remember. I I literally have a visual memory oh. of in the going from the fifth grade. And I being asked, like I've been hearing, like friends talk about, they were like, you know, exploring sex or doing things. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's yeah. when I, I mean, as a queer kid, I got so uncomfortable because I was like, oh my god, I'm not interested in the type of things that they like. Mm-hmm. And so, how, like, that's when I started to realize, oh my god, this is starting to get real. I gotta start figuring out. An
3: yeah, and then in our mm-hmm. health classes, I mean, what was the the materials from
2: 1947, 1948? I mean, the most materials that I really remember is and sperm and then also like the HPV stuff. Yeah, like and that stuff. I wish they taught me.
1: That that would have been helpful.
2: But I mean, also it was it was like so it was wrapped in fear-mongering in ways that it wasn't like like, helpful. It was just trying to scare you. Yeah. Exactly. And so, for me, it's like, we got to take that out of it. Like, normalize it and have a conversation and healthy. the, and then also give parents the opportunity, if they want to kind of control the conversation, give parents the opportunity to, like, say, I don't want my child in that class. Well, that's the that issue here. Is well, this is the bad.
1: double, edged. yeah, because this is an issue with this class. They were like, this is inappropriate. They had a whole school or, like, what's it called? The, not the town hall, assembly. but assembly. And all the parents were saying, like, this is wrong. The superintendent, because ultimately if you're in a place that is conservative that doesn't even want to talk act like sex doesn't exist they're give, not going to be even thing. having any conversation give
2: teacher I mean I give parent, like my thing is if you're if you want to be a part of the reason why your child grows up to be a dumbass go ahead because my I, at least there's going to be kids like learning something The problem is those those kids can turn into predators
1: exactly that's, and that's the
2: parents fault well, That no, is we literally still have to the parent's deal with fault. it.
1: I'd rather try to create the the least amount of but then, bad guess people what, out there. But If you're going to be
2: a predator, you're going to be a predator regardless. If you're learning it in school or you're learning it from your kids. I All mean, right. from your parents. Well,
1: a new way to look at pizza. So there you it have it. You kind of
2: ruined it for me. What? I'm never eating pizza ever again.
1: I'm actually getting hungry. So there was this article in the New York Post, and it, its headline was, this doesn't catch your attention, I gave my husband a threesome, and then I left him for a woman. And it continues on to talk about how. Did Miranda
2: from Sex and the City <laughs>
1: write this? Right. Um, it talks about how more and more women as they get older, uh, their marriages are plateauing and they're leaving their husbands yeah, for, for other women. Because they
2: realize men are the weaker species. I mean,
1: although you don't uh, debate that because you love men.
2: I still debate that men are the weaker species. It is the ghetto. I don't know why people think queer people choose to be gay. Because if you like men, wow, it's the ghetto.
1: Wow, OMG, it
2: is. It's true. It's the it's the realest statement I could put out of here.
1: Um, well, according to sexual fluidity researcher Lisa Diamond, this delayed awakening to. Um, same-sex inclination is not uncom- uncommon. I love how we're putting like a science to this, right? She said, many women have a broader capacity for diverse forms of sexual desire for multiple partners for same-gender partners. Then they might be aware, as women, we are raised to assume that we are heterosexual and are taught to focus on finding the right male partner. Right. But then, the you know... Um, and then suddenly nostalgia. we hit a time where we realize, maybe this isn't what I want anymore. Which I think is natural, is pretty normal. Well, yeah, because
2: when you get to uh, the end, like not the end of your life, but when you start to settle into older years of your life and you kind of start, you know, watching or there's a there's a saying where it's like, you get to the sunset of your life. Right. Where you you start to kind of look back over the things that you you missed out on or you wish you would have done or the the things that you no longer feel like. Why am I why am I wasting the rest of the life that I want to that I'm living on things that I that no longer fuel me or find happiness? And I brought up Miranda for a reason, because that was literally a beautiful story that was told during uh, and just like that in this reboot. And so. I I do think it's something to be said about how age and Uh and all of that kind of factors into no longer caring Mm. anymore about a lot of things and only caring and and making sure you're putting your energy towards the things that matter.
1: Yeah, that uh, have meaning to you. And orgasms matter. Uh, Hey, (laughs) orgasms matter! That is true. Uh, and uh, I think that... I think we're going to see more and more studies, even though, once again, this is a totally natural thing. And, like, we are... There's more of a spectrum around sexuality, as we know, um, and uh, and our identity. But I think there will be more studies in terms of, like, hormonally what women go through towards the end of their life and our need uh, to be connected to men. A lot of times it is biological. It's like we're with, quote-unquote, someone... You're saying
2: it's biological to feel... You no, need to you need... Uh, you
1: need something that has sperm right if you want to have a baby so it's like this biological need and once that's done because you're going through menopause you're kind of like well i don't need you anymore mm, that's <laughs> so i think that we'll see more and more mm. studies in the future that look into that but it might not be the case right it might not be based on science Oh, that was like a hypothesis yeah they're saying but like they in this article they said the biological underpinnings are unknown but maybe it's hormonal or maybe it's neuro endocrine endocrine i sorry i
2: don't think it is. I don't I mean in all honesty I, when you look at like yeah, the sexuality and the fluidity of that I, I do think there's a biological aspect to it, but I don't think it is is so connected to the idea that you need it because there's people that go throughout their lives that just go to sperm donors to get, you know, if they need it to, you know, procreate and do what they want to do. I don't think it's, like, this need where it's, like, pheromones and this connection to, like, that, that male energy or the chromosomes. Do you, oh, you want to hear something like really magnetic, interesting?
1: Like, um, I met with a girlfriend recently who is going through menopause, and she was like, I've always loved sex, and literally now everything I see right now, it's like, one, my sex drive is so done. Yeah. And I look at women who are young and I'm like, oh yeah, you're just like a baby maker. <laughs> yeah, like she sees it as like these things just, yeah, coming together biologically to do it and make babies to continue to make our like us survive as humans. I, I
2: wonder, would she have wanted you to say that publicly?
1: Well, I didn't say who it was. <laughs> We are wrapping up the show, as we always do, with our Yas Queen of the Day. Yas Queen. This one goes to San Francisco AIDS Foundation's new CEO, Dr. Tyler Termier, who is the first black individual and only the second living with HIV to helm the foundation in its 40-year history. He's the only second one that actually— First black, second living with HIV for an organization around That's, AIDS. Yeah, yeah wow, yeah. interesting. Interesting uh, He admits I think I was also surprised Yet not surprised That I'm the first person of color To lead the foundation Not surprised because You know there are very few Black executives In the nonprofit sector le- Leading organizations And that number Becomes drastically smaller When you start to narrow down To specific fields Of our sector So he added, personally, I've taken some time to think about my nearly 18 years now of living with HIV and how unbelievably rewarding that period of time has been for me to cultivate a group of peers that are also black and brown folks around the country that have been a system of support. So really huge um, and excited to see the work he does as well. I love that. Uh, That's a Yaz Queen for Dr. Termir, the new CEO of the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. And that does it for the show today, but guess what? We are back tomorrow, wrapping up the week, same time live here on Channel Q. 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Tomorrow, Shar Giselle joins us on the third mic. Yes, TGIF with Shar. We're going to be talking about how L.A. County officials are petitioning the FDA to end, end the MSM ban. Uh, so could it finally happen, that blood ban lift? The L.A. LGBT Center joins us. The Washington Post also joins us to give us the truth on that story, clogging everyone's news feeds about the Biden administration and crack pipes, you know. Totally normal. I mean, who doesn't want a pipe nowadays? Yep. Thanks, Biden <laughs> administration. We appreciate you. Uh, that is on tomorrow's show. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. I'm in a Don't forget to grab your crackpot and slay. Okay. <laughs> Stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's talking about how to navigate monogamy. That's next.